Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Death is horrible. It's a terrible tragedy. As Subdeacon Stephen mentioned in his sermon on Halloween morning, death is our enemy. A human being is a body and a soul, and the two were never intended to be separated, which is what happens when we die. We become, I think Stephen also said, a corpse and a ghost. And we all know neither is something to set your life goal upon, much less to become both simultaneously. Death is the ultimate enemy of humankind. So I guess it's no surprise that in our society, we have tried to figure out how to distance ourselves further and further from death. We have fewer opportunities these days to interact with the dead in our culture. First, we've moved death out of our homes. Although 80% of Americans say they would prefer to die at home, 60% die in acute care hospitals, 20% die in nursing homes with only the remaining 20% dying as they wished at home. Second, over half of Americans are now choosing cremation. So there all too often is no corpse to see, no grave to visit. And finally, we all too often have gotten rid of the funeral, an appropriate and fitting ceremony to mark and sanctify this important and final moment in our earthly life. And instead, and turned it into a so-called celebration of life, rather than what it should be, a grieving over death. And yes, while a celebration of life sounds nice on one level, it ignores reality. It reminds me of the time in Luke chapter 6, chapter 5, I mean, when Jesus is questioned why John's disciples fast, but his do not. He replies, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Having a party when someone has died is a distortion of reality. We should be celebrating life while there's life to celebrate. Jesus didn't party at Lazarus' tomb. He wept. And when faced with death, we should do the same. We should not try to whitewash death. We should not try to ignore it. We should call it out for what it is, our mortal enemy. Some like to blame God for death, and nothing could be further from the truth. Ezekiel tells us in chapter 18 that God does not have pleasure in the death of anyone. Yet Ezekiel also tells us that we must turn and live. Turn from what? From sin. God isn't responsible for death. Sin is. Death is the devil's victory from his successful attack in the Garden of Eden, where he deceives Adam and Eve into sinning against God. And without sin, human beings would not have died. Indeed, this very fact necessitates that Jesus, who was without sin, would need to be murdered. Jesus died because of sin too, in this case, 
the sin of others. Death is always the result of sin. And even if an innocent child dies from some horrendous disease, it's not God that's responsible, but the corruption of creation brought, by, brought about by our sin as mankind. Blame the devil for death, not God. As Christians, we know this, even if we let the devil get in our ears sometimes about it. I mean, after all, do we think that God introduced death into the world to give himself some hard work to do so that he could pump himself up so he could be the hero in the world he created? No. God made the ultimate sacrifice to save us because he loved us so much that he would not let us stay in the jaws of death even though we brought it upon ourselves. He came to save us as a loving father who would risk everything to save his child. Jesus has defeated our final enemy, death. And because of this, we will all be resurrected. Jesus did not defeat death just for the righteous. He defeated death for every human being who has ever lived. And thus, as Jesus tells us in tonight's gospel passage from St. John, all who are in the graves will hear the voice of the Son of God and come forth. So we do not need to be worried any longer about our physical death in this life. Jesus has given us freedom from death. We as human beings are no longer defined by it. And yet, we still have to keep our death in mind. For Jesus also says, When all who are in the graves hear the voice of the Son of God and come forth, then those who have done good will go to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. What does this all mean? It means that God, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, has transformed death from an inevitability, a certainty out of our control, into something under our free will control. Damnation is separation from God. And regardless of what that looks, at, looks like, and in fact, little has been revealed, we know that separation from God is death. Our soul and body may have been put back together in the resurrection, but there will be no life in us if we are separated from God. If we end up in Gehenna, then we might as well be dead. So what will you choose? Because now the choice is again yours. Jesus has restored the choice that existed in the Garden of Eden. So will you choose a life of eternity with God by submitting your will to his will? Or will you choose death by choosing to walk away from the greatest gift you've ever been given? To no longer be bound by the choice of our original ancestors who chose disobedience and death. The devil lied to us once. Are we going to let him get away with it again? And there's an urgency, my brothers and sisters, for Psalm 39 says, Show me, O Lord, my end and the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You indeed have made my days as hand breaths, my lifetime as nothing before you. Truly, each man at his best exists as but a breath. We know not the hour or the day of Jesus' return not just in the sense of his second advent, 
but in the sense of when we will meet him at our death. Now, my brothers and sisters, is the time to prepare. I don't want to be morbid about it, but we have to rely on Jesus himself and his words. And he's telling us plainly that it isn't about saying a prayer or about some single moment of transformation or just going to church. It's about doing good or doing evil. And what's doing good? Loving God and loving our neighbor. We talk about how to do that all the time here at the Advent. So I'm not going to dwell on it tonight. But you've got to love God and you've got to love your neighbor. And so I just merely want you to commit yourself to that again. And if you fall into evil, just get up again and keep committing yourself to good every single time. That's all God expects from us. Don't let your sins drag you down. God has overcome those sins too. For remember that the consequence of sin is death, and death has been conquered. And that means sin has no power over us anymore. Now that the devil realizes that he's been beat at his own game, he's trying to tempt you again. The devil wants you to choose death again. And how will he succeed? He'll succeed if you become paralyzed by your sin, thinking they still have power over you, so that you don't bring them to the light, so that you don't bring them in front of Christ to defeat the death that's contained within them, so that you are left immobilized and don't do the good that God tells you you must do in order to be raised to the resurrection of life. And of course, the good news is that God is standing ready to help you do good. He's infused you with his Holy Spirit. You just have to get out of his way, so to speak, and let the Spirit do his work. We're called to unite ourselves with Christ's love and life. And when we do, we will realize that God's mercy will be sufficient for our sins, and we will be free to do the good that we must do. We will be animated by the Holy Spirit of God, by a divine life that cannot die. We will experience the radical freedom that Jesus has bought for us and can direct it to restoring our likeness to God, which we lost in the fall. And when we're like God, we will not just act good. We will be good. When we're like God, we cannot be dead, for God is full of life. As we remember those who have died, let us be comforted by God's victory over their death and ours. Let us take comfort that those who have trusted in him and who have united themselves with him will be treated with the love and mercy that are clearly a very part of the nature of God. Let us rejoice that God is a God of life, and let us give thanks to God, who gives us the victory, the victory over sin, death, and the grave, through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.